0: Welcome to an Ask Me
2: Anything episode of the MarTech Podcast. Today we're going to get our hands dirty and talk marketing strategy and execution to help a member of the MarTech Podcast community overcome a marketing obstacle that they're facing. Joining us for today's marketing strategy AMA is J.D. Prater, who is an evangelist at Quora, which is a Q&A platform that empowers people to share and grow the world's knowledge. JD is responsible for raising the visibility of Quora amongst brands and marketers, and today he and I are going to talk about the growth strategy for Quora's podcast. Okay, here is my interview with JD Prater, an evangelist at Quora. JD, welcome back to the MarTech
1: podcast. Hey, thanks for allowing me to come back on. I'm pretty excited for this one.
2: Oh, it's always exciting to hear from a member of the MarTech community, and we love Quora, so I'm excited to have you back on the show. The last time you were here, you were telling us all the great things about Quora's advertising platform. You have some ability for brands to be able to publish content on their own. The ad platform is growing in terms of its adoption and also its feature set. And your responsibility is to tell the world about it. So just catch everybody up on what your role is and and what you're doing to promote the Quora brand.
1: Yeah. So... As the core brand evangelist, really just trying to get the word out there around Cora. And part of that includes education. Part of that also includes surfacing really good stories. So we launched a podcast. We're about 20 episodes in at this point, and it's going fairly well. We're growing, but I've got lots of questions for you on how we can grow faster, grow better, because as a fan of the Martech podcast, I know you guys do a really good job.
2: Well, I appreciate it. I'm honored that you're coming on the show and airing out your questions so other people that are part of the community can hear them. Let's talk about what your goals are for the podcast. Why did you decide to create a podcast and what are you hoping to accomplish?
1: So we started it because a couple of things. One, we knew marketers like to hear from other marketers. Marketers love to hear their stories, get their insights. And also for marketers that are currently and already leveraging Quora, To be able to explain how they're doing it. So, it's one thing for me to explain it coming from a brand and people are usually a little bit more skeptical, right? When you hear it from a brand. But if I can get another marketer on, that makes more sense and they can actually flesh out why they're doing this and how they're doing this. So, we do this on the Grow with Quora podcast. It's about roughly 20, 25 minutes podcast once a week. So, some of them get super tactical really quick. And those are always kind of exciting, kind of fun. And then the goals around this really are probably just adoption, really. It's really trying to raise that visibility to where people are know about that this exists. They can then consume this content and then hopefully go and take action on Cora and roll Quora into their marketing mix. So hard to track all the way through.
2: So you're thinking of the podcast as more of a lead generation tool for the advertising platform as opposed to something that's meant to help the existing advertisers expand their adoption of the platform.
1: I would say there's a mixture of both depending on who is on as a guest. So some of those guests are even like content. So we even talk about the organic side of Quora, not only just the ad side of Quora. So we do dock and kind of go across from like, We've talked with content people, SEO people, PR people, and even advertisers as well. Okay.
2: And what's been working? You mentioned it's a weekly show. How long are the episodes? Uh, Roughly 20, 25 minutes. Okay. Talk to me about the growth and what's been working and where do you feel like you're struggling?
1: So I think what's been working really well, and I would assume that you may also feel this, if you get a big name guest, downloads go through the roof. There's like, there's a spike. We've had a few on within... I think I would probably point to 3 specific episodes that had uh, well-known people in the industry. And once they tweeted out or shared on LinkedIn or with their email subscribers, we get a big spike. So I think that's one aspect of it. And then I think the other ways that we're seeing success is from... We're getting some reviews, which is always kind of fun to see organically coming through that people took the time to say, Hey, I find this useful, or they'll call you out on Twitter or something like that. So that's kind of how we're kind of gauging it outside of the analytics. Where we're struggling, and I'd love your input on this, is how do you measure using the analytics? Because we know that podcast analytics are still kind of nascent, we should say. You know, they're still babies compared to like the website analytics that you're going to get. There are some really cool attribution tools, which that was a great episode. You should definitely link that one in the show notes because that one blew my mind.
2: Yeah. So let's do this. I think that there's four ways to think about the growth of a podcast. You got to look at organic, right? Just putting your content into the app stores and making sure it is accessible everywhere and you get into some keyword optimization there, making sure you're you know, producing content that people are actually searching for. There's virality. You mentioned that when you have a high profile guest, those people are likely going to share the content. There's your paid promotion. Like, What assets do you have and can you pay to get people to be aware of your content? And then there's partnerships and promotion, and I'll throw influencers and other syndication methods, partnerships that you have. So I think of that as the four ways to actually grow the podcast. And evaluating what is working really comes from a couple of different data sources. I think the first thing that you look at is what your host is saying. There's a variety of hosting providers. I think the most popular one is a company called Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N. And with Libsyn, you can upload your RSS feed, and it will, once you have it established and make the connection to Apple, it sends your RSS feed to almost every podcatcher, so podcast player, all the various apps, with a few exceptions. With Libsyn, you need to do a little separate work to get it into the Google Play Store. You need to do a little extra work to get it into Spotify. And I believe iHeartRadio as well, you have to submit. And there's also Pandora, but I, I think Pandora, you actually have to be accepted to be on their platform. So some of the other major players, you have to establish separate feeds for. So first and foremost, you know, when you're thinking about marketing, making sure that your content is accessible everywhere right? Don't just go and put your RSS feed into iTunes and assume that everywhere else is going to get it. Use Libsyn if you're just starting off. I use a hosting platform called Art19. Love them to death. But Art19 is great, not only because they are going to do the same things that Libsyn does in terms of the syndication of your content, getting it into all of the pod catchers, they also allow you to do something that's called dynamic insertion for the advertising. So I don't get the sense that you're really thinking about advertising because your goal is not to monetize the content by supporting sponsors, but if you do have specific events that you're trying to promote, right, as you get a little bit more advanced in The reason why you're creating your content, if you're going to do a webinar, if you have a special sign-up form that you want to drive people to, you're going to build up a content archive over time. And ART19 gives you the ability to go back to the initial episodes that you had that are evergreen and swap out the call to action. So... It's a little bit more expensive than Libsyn for guys like me who are selling sponsorships. I want to sell ad inventory for my entire content archive, not just for this week's episode. So Art19 makes sense. But with all of these hosts, they basically give you the ability to understand how many downloads you're getting. And downloads are a tricky metric because a download is a file exchange from your host to a person's podcatcher. It does not actually tell you how many people are listening to your podcast, and it doesn't really tell you a lot about what content was actually consumed, which brings me to the second place that you look for the health of your podcast. I think iTunes Connect is the place to look to understand really your content health. And that gives you a couple metrics. A, it gives you the devices. So that's kind of a proxy metric for the number of people, in the same way that downloads gives you sort of overall pieces of content that might be consumed. Devices gives you a count of the people that are possibly consuming your content, but it's only for Apple, which is somewhere between 50 to 70% of your audience. The thing that's interesting to me about Apple's metrics is that they give you the percentage of the content that was consumed. So if somebody's getting through 80% of your episodes, you know that people are really consuming the vast majority of your content. So I really look at the iTunes metrics to understand the duration of the podcast. And what I've found is that somewhere between 18 to 22 minutes is the sweet spot for our podcast. And then when you get into longer form content... It's not that people are listening to less of the content. It's just after 22 minutes, they're already home. Their commute is over. They're ready to get off the treadmill. And so less of the content is consumed. So the back half of those episodes are a little less valuable. So those are the kind of the metric that everybody has access to. You also mentioned the podcast analytics tool. I am a huge advocate of a tool called PodSites, P-O-D-S-I-G-H-T-S. And sites gives you the ability to not only understand how many households are actually downloading your content, it also gives you the ability to retarget them. The reason why I think that this is interesting for a brand like Quora, you know, understanding how many people are listening to your podcast is really the most important metric. Like a download is great. But if one person downloads every episode, as opposed to 10 people downloading one episode, Those are different marketing challenges. What Podsites gives you the ability to do is to retarget those listeners and provide them with a digital asset. So a Facebook ad or a Quora ad, if you have the ability to target by mobile app ID... And it allows you to put something that is clickable to follow up with the content that they've consumed. And that's really a big part of our sponsorship program at the MarTech Podcast that, you know, for our sponsors, not only do we create the content for them and we integrate them into our advertising, but we are able to retarget them to give them something to click on when they're off the treadmill, when they're out of the car, when they're not commuting. So as you start thinking not only about evaluation, getting to how much is my content being consumed. Downloads are a nice metric to compare. And it's honestly an inflated metric because people think a download is a person. It's not, it's about half a person, in my opinion. When you are able to actually figure out how many people are listening, then the next step is great. How do I re-engage with those people? And that's really when you start to see some interesting conversion metrics.
1: Gotcha. No, I think that one's really cool. It's almost like taking it to the next step now. My question for pod sites, can they go backwards in time? So if I were to start working with them, let's say today, is this going to just start collecting listeners moving forward? Or can I go back and also use that information?
2: I wish they had a time machine. They don't. Okay.
1: Okay. Start now.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And it's interesting because when I tell people about how big the MarTech podcast audience I actually have to gauge it from when we integrated pod sites. From what I can tell this quarter, 20,000 people have downloaded an episode of the MarTech podcast. That's based on the date of when we actually integrated our pod sites tracking. It does not go back and capture the IP addresses for the previous download. It actually has to happen once their platform is integrated.
1: No, I think that's really good. And I think that one is also something that we overlooked as well, right? So I think, again, novice into the podcasting world, comparatively, really thinking through how do you continue the conversation. That's something that I have never thought about. I didn't even know that these tools even existed for not only like attribution, but also really drive into that next step of, okay, let's like remarket to these people, continue the conversation on Facebook or on a platform that they're already a part of.
2: You're not alone. Nobody knows these tools existed because they're just launching now. The other tool that I'll mention is a tool called Chartable where when you're doing things that are direct response related, they have something that's called a smart link, which gives people the ability to click on one link and be directed to a specified podcast player. So if somebody is on Android, it directs them to the Google Play Store. If they're on iTunes mobily, you can send them to the iTunes podcast player. And if they're not in a mobile device, you can direct them to iTunes. You can direct them to a specific landing page. And so that's another tool that's useful as you're starting to think about promotion and your Quora like There are millions of people that are using your platform that are specifying that they are marketers. To me, the biggest tip that I would have for you is use the assets that you have at your disposal, right? Be on the Quora platform and be responsive and be sharing the content that you have and linking within the existing environment. Or at least if you have access to it and you're not breaking any rules, go take the email addresses of the marketers that you have on the platform and reach out to them directly. There's also the paid acquisition platform. I'm a huge fan of the Knit platform. It's important to advertise to the people that are interested in your services when they're consuming your services. Hey, are you interested in marketing on Quora? Let's reach you on Quora. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know are you a podcast listener? Let's reach out to you when you're listening to podcasts. That's one of the reasons why I like knit so much. And in your case, you're going to get Quora advocates on your own platform. And so eating your own dog food is probably some of the biggest points that I would have in terms of advice for you.
1: Yeah, point taken. <laughs> I know. I have not done a great job promoting this on Quora itself, whether that's writing answers or you know even running ads too. So I've got that one noted as a take-home to-do item. So I like that one. Another question that I had for you, and it was something that we thought through, I noticed that you guys do a daily podcast. We do a weekly podcast. What was your thinking of doing a daily versus just like a once a week type of podcast?
2: So before I said the four things to think about are the categories of podcast growth, organic, viral, paid, and partnerships. By producing a lot of content, you check off two of those buckets. You're getting more organic growth, right? You're getting more keywords into the app store. So when people search for something, your content is likely to show up. And then you're also getting more opportunities for the partnership and some of the things that you've seen already be successful, which is, I guess it's maybe virality, not partnerships, but getting your guests to share the content. The more people that I have on the show, the more people are going to say, hey, I was on the show. So we have a little trick here at the Martech podcast where we break most of our interviews into short form content. I'm doing an hour long interview and I'm breaking it up into two episodes. And that really has to do with what I think is the right amount of content that people want to consume. We want to keep the episodes 30 minutes or less. And the sweet spot is about 20 minutes, but for example, conversations like this, they just can't happen in 20 minutes. So we moved to publish more frequently because I think that people check the app store irregularly, right? They're not looking for your podcast content once a week. They're looking whenever they go into the app store because they wanna to listen to a podcast and you don't know when that is. So we want our content to show up early and often to have the best chance to catch somebody when they're interested in a podcast. It helps us with app store optimization, more titles equals more search volume, and then more guests equals more virality and social syndication. So I think the more content you can pump out, the better you're going to be, but you don't want it to be one minute episodes unless that's what your guests or your listeners are actually wanting to consume. My guess is that you can break up your conversations. Into, hey, we're going to talk to somebody who's an expert in marketing on Quora and doing something that's interesting. We're going to talk to them about their organic strategy first. Hey, how do you use Quora as a platform to syndicate your content? What's your strategy there? Then we're going to talk to them tomorrow about how they're implementing their advertising strategies. You get two episodes for the price of one. And it also gives you the ability when somebody's listening to a guest and they think they're an interesting speaker, at the end of the episode, you could say, if you want to hear how this guest thinks about their advertising strategy on Quora and where it blends into their PPC efforts, listen tomorrow. Hit the subscribe button because we're going to have the rest of this conversation tomorrow. It gives you a little bit of a soft tease at the end of one episode to get somebody to subscribe to hear the second episode, but it's not disruptive in the way that you just cut off the episode and you don't give people the value that they want from a specific episode.
1: Yeah, one thing I wanted to drill down to you talked a little bit about those podcast app store rankings. How much do you chase those? How much do you care about those?
2: I tested having one of the mildly spammy, like questionable vendors do app store optimization for us. Like they promise, hey, we're going to get you in the top 50 for a couple thousand dollars. And I didn't see a huge lift when we were peaking near the top of the app store. And it probably had to do with it wasn't authentic. We were at the top of the App Store, but it wasn't because we were getting lots of subscribers. So it's a little chicken or the egg. If you're at the top of the App Store, you can get some more visibility. But to get to the top of the App Store, you need visibility. So I just think it's a little shady paying someone to say, I'm going to get you to the top of the App Store. And what they're doing, from what I could tell, is they're getting a bunch of five-star reviews, and they're having people subscribe to your show but they're not actually listeners. So you don't see incremental downloads and nobody reports out the number of subscribers. You just see reviews. And I think that if you can get people to subscribe organically and you can incent people to give you a five-star ranking, you're gonna go up in the app store. I just haven't seen a lot of success with it. There are other marketers that I know that have smaller shows that publish less content, that have less listeners, that provide less value to their sponsors that are ranking in the app store. When my show isn't, I just don't care. I don't need it for the credibility, and I didn't see it provide a ton of volume. Other people say getting in that app store is the only way to grow the show. We've been successful enough without having to go down that path, and maybe it's something we'll test. I just worry that when we do something that's inauthentic, when we're buying app store rankings, there's so much risk there. What happens if Apple says you're a bad performer and we're going to blacklist you? My whole business is
1: gone. That's a really good point too. And really eye opening. I mean, I guess I should have realized just like any kind of review site, there's going to be ways to kind of game it. And there are people out there figuring that part out. So I was like, yeah, organic. you know. So at the end, and this is another good question too, is like, as an avid podcast listener, especially really NPR does a great job with most of their podcasts. They have a whole library of them. They're really good at that. I'd say like that soft call to action of subscribe tell a friend, right? They're asking for that virality. Is that something that I started to include, but I always do it at the very end. So I'm wondering if I should start front loading that request. I wonder if you had any advice there.
2: I don't know. I think that's something that you should test. I feel like with our show, the goal is to get people to be into the show. We want them to be subscribers, not because we tell them about the subscribers because they like the content. So to me, it's like, instant value. Hey, you're on the show. Here's what we're going to talk about. Let's get into it. Here's the value. And then at the end of the show, it's, if you liked this piece of content, we're going to have one that's related to it tomorrow. You should subscribe. Or we have this type of content every day. Subscribe to the show. To me, that's just the logical way to do it. But that's something you can absolutely test. See if you're getting more adoption by putting that message up front. I just... I don't like the initial sales pitch. We don't put our sponsorship ads first and foremost. Like we want to tell people what the episode's going to be about. Then we have our sponsorship ads because we want them to be prominent. And because I think they provide value to the community too. And then we get right into the content. And at the end, when somebody's consumed it and they're like, oh, that was good. I actually made it to the end of the show. It's like, cool. Subscribe. Here's why. We're going to have another episode tomorrow that's very similar or related to this.
1: Gotcha. I know. I think that's all really good advice. And something we'll probably test, play around with. So, for those listening, I talked to Ben months ago and he was like, Hey, you got to get into it. Like, first thing. And so, we shortened a lot of our intros within the, really the first 90 seconds. We're already talking. We're having the conversation of what this is going to be about. So, uh, that's why I was wondering if I should change that up.
2: I'll just say it in my own words. Everybody who's a podcaster out there, cut the shit, get into the content. Nobody wants to know what you had for breakfast unless it's a breakfast show. <laughs> In our case, they're here to hear about marketing. We're going to talk about marketing, right? And hey, look, a little small tack, build the relationship with a person that you're talking, making sure that your guest feels at ease. That's very important. But get on with it. People aren't going to spend five minutes hearing your chit chat. They want the content.
1: I want to share this advice because I think it was one of the things that really helped me that you gave me was you as the host introduce the guest. Allowing the guests to really say their title, say their company, what they're about, that could take, depending on who you're getting, 30 seconds or two minutes. So I always like that you introduce the guest. Here's the title. Here's a quick bio. Let's jump into it. So that was a really good advice for us. Yeah. We
2: have a format, of podcast, which is all about, okay, tell me about your background, right? Our career days is, is you actually have an interesting story. We want to hear it from your perspective, But for the subject matter expert interviews, I don't want to spend 15 minutes going through their resume. We know what you're doing now. That's just a different format of content. So it's another way to get into the content is in your introduction, you say what you want the audience to know about the person. So that's already out of the way, and then they can get down to the content as well.
1: Yeah, that's all like really good advice. Another question it would be really helpful, not only for me. So again, I'm about 20 podcasting. I still consider myself new. Like, what advice do you have for us new podcasters? You've listed off a bunch of great tools. It seems like that's what we should be starting with as well as kind of mapping this out before we even jump in.
2: Yeah, I think that you're still in the content evaluation phase, 20 episodes in your understanding what's the right format and how you can optimize to get people to listen and enjoy the show. So I'm looking a lot in your phase at my iTunes Connect metrics, right? What's the content consumption? Do I have people that are subscribing? Is my subscriber rate increasing? Generally, your subscriber rate starts off about 50%. And when you get in the 70s and 80s, you're out of the validation phase. And then you start thinking more about scale. So it's great what you're doing in terms of, okay, this is the format of content. This is the length of content. We're getting the BS out of the way. We're getting our operating rhythm down. And then once that sort of stabilizes and you're seeing a good subscriber rate, and you're seeing that people are consuming the vast majority of your content then I'm really turning on the jets and starting to think about, okay, what are the marketing vehicles I have at my disposal to try to go into the growth phase? How much do I want to invest in my paid marketing? How do I get my guests to share the content? What assets do I have that I can leverage to promote my content? You know, is there partnerships that I can put into place to syndicate my content some other places? That's really the growth phase. But you have to make sure that you're building a good product first, that people like your podcast before you worry about how do I get it out there as much. And I think if there was any piece of advice for new podcasters, make sure that your podcast is good first before you worry about getting it to everybody. Because if you don't focus on actually providing value with your content, then it doesn't matter how much outreach you're going to do. Your listeners aren't going to stick around.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. My last question for you, something that we've also thinking about internally, Well, I wanted to get your thoughts on seasons. You see some podcasts do seasons. Season one is this theme. Season two is this theme.
2: There's a hybrid model that I like, which is not seasons, but themes. Hmm. And I think it depends on the purpose of your show. If I'm doing a sports show, I might do, you know, the 2019 season while whatever league I'm covering is actually playing their games. If I'm doing a podcast like Serial, where it's like episodic, seasons make sense. If I am thinking about a marketing vehicle, I want consistency. So instead of doing seasons, welcome to season one of the Quora podcast, where we're going to talk about Quora, I'm going to do themes where August is amplification August. And I have four months about amplifying your organic content on Quora and October is organic October. They don't all have to be alliterations. But you know, I do think that by theming the content gives people a reason to subscribe. If you like learning about amplification, we're going to talk about this subject every week this month. So check back with our podcast next week or check back with it tomorrow, whatever your cadence is. And it gives people another reason to subscribe. Ooh, I do want to listen to the amplification stuff by the Quora guys. And that way you can bounce around and move through a couple different topics. And it gives you a reason to reach out to people as your guests. And it's just not as random. And I think that people follow along with the themes. And in reality, they're probably listening to one or two episodes in a given month. But when you're tying the theme together, at least it makes it feel like there's structure, which I think is what most podcasters are trying to do with the season. So I like themes over seasons for podcasts that are ongoing and are are meant to be marketing vehicles. If you're doing something theatrical, an art project, a season makes sense. But for a podcast like yours, I'd probably lead towards themes.
1: Cool. I like it. It's really good advice. It's already making me start to think. Plus, I do like alliteration as a marketer. Do you have any tips for being a good host? This is another thing that I'm starting to think through. As I listen to more podcasts, you start picking up how they ask questions. One thing that I'm not very good at is breaking in or cutting someone off. I always feel like maybe I'm being rude, but I I just want to drill down right now. Like, what do you mean by that? And I want to get how you kind of balance that, how you think through being a host.
2: There's probably three things that I'd say. First off, there's the getting your guests ready and comfortable. I always tell my guests that the best podcasts are conversational. And by that, I mean lots of back and forth between the two of us, which also means that you don't have to carry the show and go off on a 20-minute monologue for a 20-minute podcast. Your answers can be 30 seconds or one minute or two minutes, but you don't want to go off forever. I will follow up with questions to dig deeper and I will interrupt you every once in a while if I think that there's an acronym or something that you said. So if I just interrupt you, I'm not trying to be rude. I just want to make sure that the audience understands what you're saying. And so doing that prep upfront puts people in the mindset of like, okay, just answer the question that's asked to me, not spit everything out that's in my head. The second thing you're doing as a podcaster is listening and repeating. So, when you go off on a long monologue, which inevitably happens, I'm going to say, okay, if I had to distill that down and read it back, I'm hearing you say A, B, and C. If A, B, and C is what you said, here's the follow up question. So, they are the expert. Your guests are the expert. Your job is to listen and consolidate so the listener has something that's a little bit more digestible. Those are the three things that I would say, you know, get your guests prepped to make sure that they understand. The length of the interview and make it conversational. When you're interrupting, it is more just interjecting to make sure that you understand what somebody is saying. And then you're recapping and repeating before you ask the next question. And to me, that's what makes a good podcast host.
1: That's really good. So that's all I've got, but I will take any more tips if it's something that I'm missing.
2: Well, JD, you know, I think you're on the right track and I appreciate you being our guest. My takeaway is you're producing good content. I would keep an eye, you know, have your next five or 10 episodes go out and just try to optimize it. And once you feel like you really got it nailed down and you know what the right format is and you have those hooks built in where you're providing value and giving people a reason to continue to subscribe, then you start focusing more on producing more content and then thinking about different ways to scale. And again, you've got lots of assets at your disposal. I would eat your own Quora dog food, put your content on the platform as much as I can. I'm a big fan of the knit platform to get the word out there, but you know, work with other podcasters and influencers and it's a long grind. And so setting up your infrastructure to make the things that you're doing repeatable, that's probably the thing that's going to set you up for success and just be patient and it'll grow on its own.
1: Much appreciated. I've got lots of action items that I'm going to start implementing this week. So thanks again.
2: I love that you're trying to land the plan on the podcast said like a true podcast host.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: And that wraps up this episode of the Martech podcast. Thanks to JD Prater, evangelist at Quora for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about JD, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You could shoot him a tweet at JD Prater, J-D-P-R-A-T-E-R. Or if you're interested in Quora from a marketing and advertising perspective, you could visit their website. The link is quora.com business. Just one link that I want to tell you about in our show notes. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, go to martechpod.com. We have summaries of our episodes, contact information for our guests. You could sign up for our weekly newsletter, which tells you about the episodes that we published last week. You can also send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show, just like this episode. Of course, you could always reach out on social media. My handle is Ben J. Schaap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P on LinkedIn and on Twitter. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we publish episodes every day during the work week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy.